Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning. I'm Karen. We're going to start off with show notes today. We have our Evening with Medium events coming up on August 23rd and December 13th. Tickets are on sale at the website by sarlow.com. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. It's available on our website by sarlow.com. It is a 10 to 12 minute show. There are five mini shows that run Monday to Friday, the first week of each month. We pick a topic that helps you gain emotional or spiritual intelligence, and you get to head to the site to listen to those. We also have coffee mugs for sale, and they're available at the website as well. And in the next coming months, we're just taking our time to educate our listeners that we're going to be using a program called Patreon. It's a paid membership where you have access to many, many resources that we are cultivating for our clients day in and day out. So you'll still have access to Coffee with the Sarlos, Sips of Sanity, and we're taking it to the next level to start actually creating these tools that we give out in sessions for good questions, good emotional intelligent questions that you can ask yourself, tools and worksheets that you can use on a personal level and on a work level, and written tools that you can use on a daily basis to help yourself evaluate your situations, evaluate your own behavior and your relationships in life. So that will be coming near September, we're anticipating, so stay tuned for that. If you have questions, They're probably the same questions we're still sifting through, but you can email us at info at buysarlo.com about how that's going to unfold. If you're looking for a personal session with either Kelly or myself, you can go to the website buysarlo.com and fill out a request for an appointment form. It comes to us. We see clients by telephone, Skype, FaceTime, and Zoom all over the world. And if you're wondering if those sessions are just as accurate... They sure are. And on to today's show. So you were talking to me about a client story when we were on our way to Sudbury this week, and it was rough to say the very least, but it started out rough and actually turned out to be probably one of the best received sessions, Mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. Okay. So I'll let you take it away then. Okay. Um, This was um, a personal session for a lady I'm going to call Maxine. Um, She came into this session with a friend. So they pulled into the driveway and I did come to the door and I saw two of them in the car. I looked at my watch and I noticed that they were here half an hour early and that they pulled up, they waited maybe two minutes in the car. And even though it was a 30 minute wait, they came straight to the front door. And I just remembered thinking they're half an hour early and they're totally fine with coming in that soon. So the two ladies came to the front door, and when I greeted them, I offered for her friend to come in and sit in the living room and to wait for her friend during the session. And she would not have it. She came, and so really, Kelly, I don't understand why she even came to the door. Because she came to the door with her girlfriend, Maxine, and then as soon as I welcomed her in, she backed away. Her reluctance was really evident. And I thought at first that it just had to do with that she didn't want to come into my house or that maybe she wasn't comfortable with what I did. But I think after the whole session went through, I understand that it had nothing to do with me personally and that she just didn't want to be in the house because of her friend's behavior. So anyway, Maxine came in the door and I said to her, do, do you need the washroom? And she said, no. So I said, well, then, Maxine, you can go here to your right, 
And I said, if you just go around and through this room, the treatment room is right there. And I said, and I can be there, I'll just follow you. And she stopped and she looked really angry. And she said to me, treatment room, what for? Not going into a treatment room. Her tone of voice, her body language, everything was very harsh and combative, unpleasant, unfriendly. Like it was just not typically something that I would see if you're coming into an appointment with somebody where you want to sit with them for an hour. (laughs) So I stopped and I thought, okay, something is up here. I watched my body language and I made sure that I just put my hands down and I dropped my shoulders. I relaxed. I made sure my breathing was good and that her energy was just going to be hers, not mine. And I said, well, I said, because I offer a variety of services, I'm going to go through a consent process with you so that I'm not going into a treatment room. All I booked was a reading. I'm not here for anything else. So I can't even get a sentence out and she's interrupting me, talking over me, not letting me explain anything at all. So I tried again. And I said, Maxine, I said, there are different things that I do, different services. And I said, I need consent for each of the services. And I said, I can explain, but there are two chairs in the room. You're welcome. I'm not going into a treatment room. So her combativeness and her assertion again comes through, I'll say negative, like for me, it was very negative. It was unkind. And I think it was unnecessary because she had an opportunity to say, could you explain to me what a treatment room is? Could you explain to me um, why I would be going into one? May I sit here for a moment? I have a few questions. Um, Or I have some anxiety, or I'm a little bit nervous. Can I just sit in the living room? She didn't do any of that. She had other choices, and she didn't use any of them. So I made sure that I did not talk over her or interrupt her in any way, that I waited for her to say what she wanted to. And when she did, her her aggressiveness kind of just kept spewing out. So I thought, well, I'm not going to participate in any of that. She can do what she wants. I'm just going to let this be what it is because she's creating this. And I'm not going to participate in the drama show with her. It can be all hers. Well, let's back up. Because you sat her in the treatment room and closed the door. Oh, I, I did after that. Yes. She did go into the treatment room after uh, when I said that I was going to go through a consent process a second time. She walked into the treatment room and took a chair. And her whole demeanor, her facial expressions, her body language was all angry. I sat her down. So I said to her, you're a half hour early for your scheduled appointment time. There are some things I need to do on my lunch. I will be back at, the, at your appointment time. So I closed the door and she stayed in the treatment room. And I went out and did what I needed to do on my time. I had my lunch. I went outside and watered the plants because I had all these certain things to do. And I wanted her friend to see that I was doing what I needed to do, that they could come early and that would be okay, um, but that I wasn't going to be bullied. The, the behavior as soon as they walked in the door from Maxine 
was, I'm here and I'm in control. I'm bullying you. And I thought, mm, I don't want to participate in any of that. So I did my things. And then at, just before one, I went in and sat down to go through consent with her. And she said, as soon as I opened the door, I'm just here for a reading and that's all I want. And I said to her, um, Maxine, I have explained that I have a consent process and I'm going to go through that. No, I'm just saying, this is all I'm here for. You don't need to do anything. You're just going to do just this reading for me. And I said, I'm the professional. I'm the person that's got a procedure to go through for every client. And there are no exceptions to the consent process. And there's a reason that there are no exceptions. I would be curious if you had turned it around and said, okay, you tell me what a reading is. Oh, that's funny. If she would have actually been able to right. define what a reading is, because she's obviously set on the fact that she just wants quote unquote a reading. But I, I don't even know what that means. Right. I don't either because for every client it's different. Yeah. And I, like I know as myself, I, when people say reading, I assume they've been to a psychic before. Yeah, that's psychic right. Psychic alone. That's correct. Not even sure that they know what a medium is, not even sure they know what a medical intuitive is. Right. Or what past lives can give you, or finding out what your patterns are, or your soul contract. I hear you. Yeah. And some people who say, I'm here for a reading, hand you all these mementos, and you're like, can you put that back in your purse? Yeah. Yeah. Or they hand you um, a picture and say, this is what he looked like. Like it's, yeah, everybody has their own idea, I guess, based on if they've watched TV, if they've seen movies, if they've chatted with a friend, if they've um, read about it in books or novels, like, or they've been and had different experiences on a strip in California or something, and it's 10 bucks. Like, yeah. So anyway, um, I just wasn't having it. So I... I proceeded through the consent process, and as I said different things, like I, I remember saying medical intuitive, and she went, no, I don't believe that. And there was a lot of um, ignorance. Ignorance meaning a lack of education. Yeah, but then obvious disrespect at the same time. Yes, but I want to make sure that I, I'm really saying what I think ignorance is deeply. Mm -hmm. it, it's... That you can be ignorant, meaning rude to somebody, and ignorant meaning that you have a lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And when you put the two together, it's a killer combination for, for rudeness. And not really setting a tone <laughs> to get what you want. But that isn't her style. She doesn't worry about setting a tone to get what she wants. She just bullies in any way to get what she wants using any tone that's going to work for her. Interesting, Kelly, given that she doesn't have any of these gifts. Like I, like I think about if you go into a hospital and you're going to bully the crap out of the nurse and the doctor and you're the one with a, an injury or you're the one with a bladder infection and you want something from them, but you're going to go in and bully the crap. Now, actually, I guess if there are doctors and nurses listening, they'd go slurp their coffee and go, you got her, girl. <laughs> that happens every day. So anyway, uh, as I went through the consent process, I got to saying that I found missing people and that I did search and rescue and that I had been doing it for the last eight years and that I work with police departments and fire departments. And as soon as I said that, 
everything switched. Literally, her face just broke into a smile. First smile I saw, um, and I and and it seemed actually like a genuine one to tell you the truth. Um, her eyes changed. It was just like two different people. And I said to her, um, you know, that I've found missing people and communicate on behalf of nonverbal people because those are the last two things we say in consent. And when I said communicate on behalf of nonverbal people, she literally softened a little and looked at me and said, that's incredible. These are amazing gifts. I love what you're doing with these things. So I started into the session knowing that she's looking for a reading or what she's referring to a reading, which for most people means future, psychic. And I would say 99%. And I said, um, Maxine, I said, you're in control of the session, so you can lead. And she goes, well, I came here for a reading. I've told you many times. And I said, yeah, but I don't understand exactly what you want in a reading. They're different for every person. And I said, based on the eight to 10 things that I've told you that I do, what type of session do you want? And I heard her son say, um, I'm past, I'm her son, and she wants to talk to me. And so I wrote down on the page, medium, her son had passed. So I, I asked her, I said, Maxine, I said, are you actually looking for medium? And she goes, well, yeah. And I said, well, I said, that's not what we call, or most people refer to as a reading. That's for future and psychic stuff. Well, I have a couple of questions to ask you later, but yeah. And I said, well, that's not really what a reading means. And I said, but I'm going to start because I have your son here. And she said, that's right. She says, I came here because I want to talk to my son. I said, oh, okay. I said, so you're actually looking for medium. I said, that's great. So she says, well, what does my son have to say? which is a common thing that people ask, what do they have to say? Which really leaves it really wide open for me because that doesn't mean that they're going to say to me, I have brown hair, blue eyes, prove it that I'm here. For me, and I think most 100% for you as well, they usually start in with what the relationship is and what the problem is and why they're here and why they're angry and upset. Not hey, can you prove it that you're actually mediums after doing this for years? Um, but let's get right to why my mom is looking to seek a connection with me. So I said to him, what is happening? <laughs> Devin, I don't understand your mom's um, attack towards me. And he said, well, he said, my mom is, um, hasn't spoken to me um, since I was nine. And I said, well, how old are you now? And he says, well, I didn't just die. I died years ago. And I said, okay. I said, well, then roughly how old were you when you died? And he said, I was in my early 30s. And I said, so she didn't talk to you or see you from nine years old till when you died at 33. So the last time she saw you, you were a nine-year-old child. And he goes, yes, that's why you're looking at me in different, like in different bodies. So I said, okay. And I said, what happened? How come? And he explained that his dad left her and that he took Devin with him. And I said, why did your dad take you? And you never saw your mom again. And he said, because my mom is violent and my mom is a bully. And he said, my dad had had enough. He had seen her do it to me. He had seen her and was a participant in it that she bullied and was violent towards him. 
so my dad took me to protect me. And I said, well, that, that was a lot of love. And I said, so what happened that you never spoke to her again? And he said, I chose not to. And I said, oh, I said, so is that significant here? And he goes, yeah, wait for it. Wait for the lies. And so I turned to Maxine and I said, your son is saying that um, he passed years ago. This isn't new, like over a decade. And she said, yep. And I said, he says that you guys were not talking and that she goes, that's right. And I said, well, like right from the time that he was nine, his dad took him and didn't want you to have anything to do with him. And she goes, that's right. He tainted it. He told my son stories that were lies about me so that he wouldn't want to talk to me again. I said, no, that's not how it happened. And so she stopped and she looked at me and again, like really like trying to control me, like threateningly. And I said, no, I said, that's not what he's telling me. I said, Devin is telling me that you are abusive and that you are a bully. And then Devin says to me, she's a cop. And I said to Devin, what? I said, Devin, what do you mean? And he said, Karen, my mom got fired, but she's going to tell you that she retired as a police officer. She tells everybody she's a retired police officer. And I said, okay. I said, are you telling me this because your mom's a liar? And he goes, yes. I said, is this going to be my affirmation I'm supposed to hold on to? And he goes, yes, this is what they might call your smoking gun. So I said, okay. So I said, Maxine, I said, your son is telling me that he died over 10 years ago, that he and you had stopped talking around the age of nine and that his father left you, and he took Devin with him because you bully and because you are abusive, that you are abusive towards other people, and that you are also abusive towards yourself. And she just looked at me, oh, good Lord, Kelly, like if she could kill me with her eyes. And I said, and the abuse towards the self is self-talk. And I said, the abuse towards others is everything. It's absolutely everything. Anything that will work for you, you will do. If it's to physically push somebody, you will. If it's to verbally abuse them, you will. I said, if it's to drink, if it's to um, manipulate, if it's to do drugs, you will do absolutely anything towards yourself or towards another person. And how old is she now? I would say she's in her early 70s. I, 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 mm. yeah. I enjoy this picture that's being painted. Mm. Because it's not often mm -hmm. that you hear a story about a female cop. Mm -hmm. And I think when you do, you picture someone in the prime of their life, mm -hmm. capable of these things. Mm -hmm. And yet, it's almost like a lifetime ago where she's sitting listening to what she did. And I'm sure what she's still doing. Yeah, that's all accurate. That's absolutely spot on, Kelly. And so he said to me, um, go ahead, start, like, give her all this information. I'm standing right here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to keep telling you everything. So I repeated that. And I said, Maxine, I said, everything, you know, I just said it all to her. And she, I want to say Kelly made some shifts in the conversation. Well, you called her a liar quite a few times. Mm -hmm. And you had told her to stop lying to you. That's right. Yeah. 
she she would go through and say, well, no, this. And then I would say, no. And I would have to counter every comment that she made. As we're going back and forth in this very challenging conversation, she tells me that she's a retired police officer. And I said, no. I said, that's a lie. I said, he says that you got fired and that there was drug and alcohol abuse and that you got fired at 15-year mark. And she went, oh. And I said, did you retire at 15 years? And she goes, hmm. I said, it was 15 years. Is that part correct? And she goes, yeah. And I said, it's all correct. You got fired. And then she admitted it. What a moment to sit with a 70-some-year-old woman and have her admit to her son and, and to me, a total stranger, which might feel safe for her because really, where's this going to go, right? She can go back out into her life and abuse anybody she wants. And, and this is something that I certainly am well aware of that some people do in the sessions. They're okay to admit something in their room to me because they think I'm really not part of their lives and that the spirit world might know all of this, but so what? I'm just going to go back out and get away with it anyway. I can continue. But it's also an opportunity to know, if you're really listening, that I'm not the only person that can know this. You know this, Kelly. There's two of us that can know these things. There are all kinds of people with these gifts that can know these things. The spirit world does. While we're alive and when we cross over. So if we think that we get away with it, we really are sitting in our naivety. And we use it as a way to control again. Or we can look at it as an opportunity to finally let go of why we try to control and deal with it. We talked about the confrontation that her son is sitting there saying, Dad did not badmouth you. He told me the truth. He told me exactly what you were like, and he told me exactly why he didn't want me to see you. He said when I was an adult that I could try, or a teenager, or that I could have visits with you if another person was present. And that was to protect me. And he said that he offered you that, and if you didn't have it your way, then screw it all. So he says, Mom, I know that you had choices to see me and that Dad did not block you 100%. He blocked you in healthy ways that are called protecting. And there is a difference in protecting a child and blocking. And he said, I am grateful that dad did what he did. And when I became a young adult, remember now I died at 33, at 14, 16, 18, 20, at all these different ages, he had an opportunity to reach out and say, I'm an adult now. I'm, I would like to try a relationship with you. And he said, and I had no desire to. So as much as she wants to lay all of the blame that my son died and his mother wasn't there for him, all of the lines and stories that she tells the public, her friends, her family, and ultimately herself, are always on the other side of the line of truth. She wants everyone to believe an ex-husband is a mean, horrible person, father. 
And none of that is true. He is the exact opposite. He is healthy and loving. He is kind. He is honest. He had integrity. And he raised his son the best way that he could. So all of this comes out in this session where she thinks that she's coming in and is going to connect with her son, who she hasn't spoken to in decades. And now I understand why she wanted to bully me from the moment she came in the door. She wanted to make sure she was only going to get the messages that she wanted to hear. Which, like, that doesn't even make sense. Because she would have walked out being like, that wasn't even my son. Yeah. If you had given messages of, Mom, I miss you, or I'm sorry, or I love you, or you were wonderful, she would have paid for his session, left, and been like, that medium was shit. Yes, I agree. But she also would have got into the car and told her girlfriend waiting in the car that it was a great session and my son loves me. No, she could have got into a car or gone out for lunch with a friend, said those things, and never never went to a medium in the first place. Like, she could have fabricated different lies. She didn't have to come here, travel, spend money. Like, it, oh my God, the, the effort to lie is unreal. I believe her whole life the effort to lie is unreal. Because that goes through into her career and why she gets fired. I mean, that's a lifestyle. It's a lifetime for her. Talk about... What an interesting life path when you cross over to sit with your guides and say, yeah, I lied my whole life. Yeah, I abused myself my whole life. And I abused everyone around me in every fashion that I could, even stretching it as much as I could to get every little lie out of it possible. It's crazy the amount of energy and effort you have to put into living that. Because think of all the people that have to get entangled in all those webs. There was a really tense moment, Kelly, where Devin and I sit together as a team trying to see if she's going to get this or not. This is an opportunity. And that's all I can say. Energetically, this is an opportunity. He's created a certain energy on his level to come here to do this for his mom. And I'm doing my stuff in my energy, trying to hold some energy for her to see what she wants to do. Just opportunity. And I'm really happy to say she took it. She sat and said to me, yeah. And she started to, I'll say, calm down a little bit, where she admitted. And I don't know if the admitting it is, well, who cares? Or if the admitting it in the moment is, this feels good. There's a a sense of relief here. And her comment was, does he know that I love him? And I said, do you? And she sat, we just sat quietly. It wasn't, um, it, it wasn't uh, your lying question. It was, are you capable of loving? Do you actually feel it if you sit still? And I'm waiting for Devin to give me any indication back that he feels this and wants me to make a comment back to mom that he knows that maybe for one of the first times in her life, she's trying to be self-aware enough to know if she feels love 
or if it's just, I'm here to find out if he's forgiven me, or I'm here to find out if this can all get swept under a rug and I'm okay and he can just say, I love you too, mommy. And I'm interested at this point too, Kelly, to find out if she's trying to hear from the nine-year-old or the 33-year-old if or both of them if they love her. Because she has missed so much of her son's life because of her own choices in her behaviors. And Maxine said to me, you know, Karen, I will just do my best to feel what I can feel. I don't really know what that means for her. But if I check in with Devin, he just says to me, okay, we'll see how that goes. And sometimes I find in sessions, there's no real feeling of all completion. Sometimes it's just a beginning for people. It's not a great big happy ending. It's a beginning. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. When she left the house, because that was the end of her session, this woman was very different towards me. She was thankful. She was sincere. She was um, more open in talking to me, looking at me instead of around me or past me or just down at her feet, not making eye contact. And I mean, she was a police officer. She understands what eye contact means, what body language means. She knew what she was creating at the beginning, and she knew what she was creating at the end. Yeah, I want. I just. I wanted to share that today because I just think there are lots of lessons. It's an uncomfortable kind of story to hear, to be caught, but also to be seen. And I think both are important to mention because sometimes it feels good to be caught. You don't have to continue your behavior if now you know you're being watched. And now you know other people know the truth. And I think it's a good thing to be seen as well, because as you're hearing in the story, you can factually call her a liar. You can move forward from it and not judge her. Yeah. And I think people continue in the lie and need to keep it up or think they need to keep it up so that they can avoid judgment. Mm. Because if they keep the fabricated lie going, then... If you carry it on long enough, maybe people will believe it with you. Yeah. And when you understand that someone can actually see it, call it out and not judge you. And like you say, just keep creating opportunities to choose something different. Mm -hmm. There's a relief. Mm -hmm. I like it that in the treatment room, I like to say to people, if you're going to feel shame here, it's going to have nothing to do with me. I'm not here to shame you. Nor are the guides. That's right. Devin is not. Your spirit guides are not. If you feel your own shame, do something healthy with it. That's good, Kel. I like how you said all of that. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. If you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, have a beautiful weekend.